professional wrestling superstar, champion, entrepreneur, author, and show host. The Big Guy Ryback feeds you more interviews, more stories, more information, and more laughs than ever before. <laughs> Conversation with the Big Guy Ryback starts now. Welcome to Conversation with the Big Guy Ryback. I am the Big Guy Ryback, and this week I actually... And uh, joined by a man who was one of the extra talents in WWE during uh, the Bully Ryback phase that I had the privilege to, to work with. He was the guy in the infamous shower scene with uh, that loud ass slap. <laughs> we are gonna have a uh, nice conversation here about all that and let you guys kind of know the behind the scenes uh, not from not just my standpoint, from from their standpoint and what goes on, and uh, and he's doing great things now, and uh, and working in real estate and involved in pro wrestling still, on the commentating side of things, and uh, I really think you guys are gonna dig this one, ladies and gentlemen, Christian Cole. What's going on, man? How are you? Good. Good to see you again. Good to see you too, yeah. man. We got a lot to talk about. Yeah, man. It's uh, holy hell. Are you uh, you're in Arizona? No, I'm actually in California in my office. Uh, I have a real estate office here in Los Angeles, so oh, that's where I'm at right now. Yeah. Good deal. Do you do so that is that full time or Yeah, yeah. I mean I try to do as much wrestling as I can and um still very much involved with that, but with you know your day to day job you need to pay the bills and stuff. Uh, real estate became my number one um way of making my income. So when did you get good. involved in that? This will be my fifth year that I'm going into right now. Uh, years one through three, you're just learning. I think I sold two houses over the first few years that I was in real estate. And then so far this year, I've already sold five since January. So yeah. um, we're knocking them up and, you know, knocking them down, I should say, because, I mean, it's a crazy industry. It's a lot like wrestling, actually, where you kind of have to fit in and, and have political alliances and, and have a network of people who support you and want to book you and stuff like that. I mean, Real estate is no different. I, I just think that um, I was made for it because of the training that I had in pro wrestling for the last decade. So. Yeah. Do you like selling? Uh, I, I do like selling. I like selling uh, in every possible way. I like selling houses. I like selling wrestling moves. I like selling yeah. wrestling angles. I like I like that kind of stuff, yeah. I'm a big Grant Cardone fan. It's sell or be sold. And when you actually uh, – and I got it actually at one of the ball cap in here. I always keep it. And uh, – I think selling sometimes gets a bad rap, but it's like um, all life is is selling, and you're either you're either living your life selling for somebody else, or you could sell for yourself. If you it, granted, there's nothing wrong with either. Some people like just selling. My thing is if you could sell for yourself, but it's all selling. We're selling all the time when we meet people. We're selling ourselves, our personality, no matter what. It's actually and Grant like really changed my outlook on selling, where I was like. Fuck it. That's all that life is, is selling. And when you can like, I always ask people like if they're involved in sales, like, do you like sales? Because if they say no, it's like, nope, you need to learn to love sales because it's you won't succeed without it. Yeah, I agree with that. And um, I had this weird like personality conflict uh, coming up as a youth, not really understanding. You know, I remember I was heavily involved in a lot of artists type of environments, right? Like the music industry, the wrestling industry, I consider a very artistically driven industry. Um, and I, I remember people, one time this dude called me a suit. He's like, all you are is a haircut and a suit. 
and I was so young at the time that I took it as this insult. And I, I remember thinking like, wow, am I not going to fit in with the artist world by being the salesman type of guy, you know? Um, but then I kind of grew into it and I discovered that being a salesperson, whether you're selling yourself, like you were just saying, Ryan, like if you sell yourself or you're selling someone else's stuff, you have to sell yourself to get out there in the world. Every day you wake up and you go, you know, to the post office or you, you clock into work, whatever you're doing, you're selling yourself yeah. uh, to those around you. And if you're not doing that, people probably won't like you very much. Um, if yep. you're just, you know, those people that always say like, oh, I don't care what anyone thinks. Well, if you really live your life that way, that's not the best way to get along in our society and the civilization that we live in, you know? Yeah. So. You, you also don't want to create enemies also because it makes life a lot more difficult. The more enemies you have, I mean, it, it's a real thing. It, it can make life a lot more difficult. So I think it's having... I was combining trying to keep a positive mental attitude, and it's uh, I, there was a, I have a quote upstairs. I always look at it because I always remind myself. It says, "Work hard and be nice to people," and it's not always easy necessarily. But if you keep that in your head, it's and you, you know, with your approach on selling, I think it it works out for the better more often than not. But man, those real estate exams are no joke, though. I my ex girlfriend, I know she actually got through it here in Vegas, but it, it's I've seen a lot of people. They're they're no joke, right? Yeah, I mean, they have, they require a 78% uh, passing grade, and I, I walked – you know, they don't tell you the whether you pass or not until you actually walk out of the office. And so I walked out going, like, I failed. There's no way I made 78. Um, I must have went back and changed 40 of the 150 answers just trying to hope that I passed. And when I opened the, the envelope, it did say that I passed. So I was stoked, but I, I was, like, bewildered. I was like, how, how the hell did I pass this test? Because it was really hard and um, – you know, it's only a six-month education, though, so it's kind of like, you know, you can get the income of a lawyer or a doctor, but you only have to go to school for six months instead of, like, my sister-in-law's got $500,000 in debt, um, and she finally, she's 30 years old, she finally just got her job with Kaiser, congrats to her, but, um, yeah, she has to pay, spend the next 10 years paying off debt, yeah. so it's an interesting way, you know, I, I never wanted to go to college, college wasn't the thing for me, Same. I never wanted to perform in the ring, and I wanted to... Um, sell and then eventually real estate became like the perfect match for all that and i could do shows on the weekends and like for example i have a show tomorrow night and i don't have to mess with my clients like they understand between five and eight or eight and 11 p.m yep. i'm not selling them anything anyway so yeah it works out you know that is a nice balance man it's good it makes me happy to see that you got a, a really solid job like that too because that's the one thing i think with wrestling and since i got into it i, I sometimes think guys you're doing it right like you actually have a job where you can do well, where you put yourself in a position to be able to, if you want a family and to be able to provide and, and have some security in life, you still wrestle and you do what you love, but you also also make sure you take care of yourself. Because I, I see it so much in, in guys where they neglect themselves, I feel like, in every other area of their life, and they're very extreme in the wrestling. But even then, in the odds of making it, though, are, are slim to none for the majority. And like the older that you get, what you do at 16 to 25 is different than what you do from 35 to 45. Whereas if you're still like just working to work, cause I know some people and they're not really applying themselves on a job aspect. They're barely getting by and all their time's kind of going to wrestling. And, and it's then when you hit like 50, you, what do you do? The wrestling's not there. That, that doesn't pay the bills really for the majority. And then, so I, I like your outlook on it and doing that. That's smart, man. And man, that's great job passing it on the first time that you had to buckle down for that for sure. 
Yeah, I appreciate it, man. It was definitely started off as like this little backup plan. I was 29 when I met you and I had that like infamous appearance on Monday Night Raw. And then, um, you know, I'm 35 now. So it's actually been a, quite a while since I've seen you. But um, at turned 30, I woke up and I was like, shit, dude, like I need to probably have a backup plan. Yeah. And I want that backup plan to be it, like settled before I'm 40. So that gives me 10 years, you know, five years later, like it's been the best decision of my life. But it doesn't change my outlook on pro wrestling and what I want to do in pro wrestling, how I want to be perceived in pro wrestling. Um, I work mainly as a commentator and an announcer these days, and that works perfect for me. Uh, but yeah, I just, I absolutely love both industries and they, they pair well nicely together. Although I have to tell you a quick story. My, my old broker told me that if I ever wanted to make it in real estate, I had to get out of the wrestling business. He wasn't a, a, he wasn't a huge fan of the industry. And he basically was like, you need to get out of the business and, uh, start focusing on, on uh, real estate. And since then I've sold 10 houses to like indie uh, wrestling promoters, indie wrestlers, announcers. So like that industry wrestling has actually kind of helped me to create an income in in um real estate so i recommend for everybody that like if, if you have a network and you want to get into sales then you can absolutely use that network yep. no matter whether it's wrestlers or freaking the chess club like everyone is a network at the end of the day and you just use to make your network into your net worth is yeah. my my lesson so no that's smart and wrestling is like it's crazy man wrestling is frowned upon by the uh, the majority of the world outside of the the Unless you're a wrestling fan, which it, it does have a large fan base, but if the people that don't get it, they man, they look down on it, and I've seen it, uh, and it's it's a tough thing. But like you said, it's it's a network at the end of the day, and if you're able to then and all and your all your job comes down to is if you could make numbers and you make sales, a sale's a sale regardless of where it comes from. At the end of the yeah. day, so it was that's a smart play doing that. And not only that, dude, but the fact is, is like people who don't like wrestling are not going to be my clients like, or or not, you know, they don't have to like it, but they don't, if if you have like a hate for it, or if you think it's lowbrow or you want to talk shit, like then I'm not going to work with you because like the best thing about my job is you get to work with people who are cool and like who who mesh with you. You know what I mean? That's a very key uh, component of the whole thing. So, so yeah, I mean, go ahead and, you know, shit on my love for wrestling and then I will go ahead and just not work with you. It's Absolutely. pretty simple. When did you make the decision? Like, what age did you get into pro wrestling, first of all? I was 24 when I first walked into uh, Knox Pro Wrestling uh, with Rikishi and Gangrel, Black Pearl, Orlando Jordan. That was in 2009, like, when they first opened. So me, um, Rusev, uh, yeah. uh, Ricardo Rodriguez, um few other guys eric watts from tough enough uh, all of us were on that that very first graduating class with uh kishi and those guys in burbank i forgot rusev because i've seen in him talk about rikishi uh so what was it like training with rusev down there early on was, was he a real asshole <laughs> he's one of my good <laughs> friends i really it's, he's one of my favorite people yeah, yeah, he's awesome. Yeah. And, um, he was one of the ones that day that you and I met uh, in Anaheim in on uh, in 2013 who who came into like the extra locker room to say what's up to me and like show me some love, like a real genuine dude. He's yeah. I mean, he couldn't look meaner, but he he couldn't be the more more opposite. He's a sweet, hilarious, down to earth type of dude. Um, and that whole class was like that, man. I mean, uh, we had a lot of good people in that class, and Knox Pro made a family environment so like rusev and i for those you know year and a half that i was there we were like brothers man and then all those guys you know 
when did you decide to make the switch more to the commentating side of things in wrestling and why what was it that really led you to that you know what um i, I try to tell this on this story as honestly as possible because it's important to to note um when i first came into wrestling i had a like a i wanted wrestling to be my my anti-drug right i had, I had a big drug addiction okay. issue uh, with pain pills and things of that nature. So I graduated high school at like 195 pounds. And after a few years of abuse and stuff like that, I was down to 145 pounds and I needed out. So I, I chose wrestling and going to train with Rick Drazen in Sherman Oaks as like a method of like, let me get some discipline in my life. Let me do something different. That'll get me away from like these habits that I've been creating that are bad habits. And, um, and then when I, when I got into wrestling, there was a lot of pain involved as I'm sure you and, and yes. all of my wrestling brothers uh, can attest to. And so the pills weren't stopping, but the, the intention was there. And so I, I decided at, at a certain point that like maybe the microphone and, and speaking was more what I could do at the, for the time to get off of the bad habits and doing the things that I was yep. doing. And then once that worked, I, I found that, that, you know, frankly, I'm way better at announcing and commentating, despite what, you know, my critics may say, uh, than I ever was at wrestling. I, I love selling. I managed for a little while. I would take these big bumps at Championship Wrestling from Hollywood and Paragon Pro Wrestling. But it was just better for me to be the person who told the stories while guys like you went in there yeah. and physically told the story, sort of accompany it with my voice. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, and wrestling, too, man, is one of the, it, it's good because you're a smart guy. And so one, if you're, as long as you're around the business that you enjoy and you find something and you, you actually believe that you're better at that aspect of it, you'd be silly not to capitalize on that, in my opinion. And two, in wrestling, let's be honest, like, living in pain every day isn't always the most enjoyable thing. And it's something, and two, no matter whether you're on the independence or working WWE or whatnot, man, it's something that... It's a really, it's a tough thing to explain to people, but it's never ending. And I remember too, like me, I was, I just remember always being in pain, always. And it's to me, it's like it's nice not being in pain anymore. And it took a while to get out of that mindset, like that that was normal. And unfortunately, for a lot of guys too, after their careers are over, that pain never leaves, which is why we see the the death rate what it is. And for guys like, and guys that kind of go downhill after they get out of wrestling, it's it's unfortunate. So. I think that was a smart move on your play, and you get to still be around it, like you said, and, and keep your head, you get your brain intact. You have a, you have a solid real estate deal that's only going to get bigger. So, I like it. I appreciate the love, man. Yeah, you know my my wrists. I got thin wrists. You know, yeah. what I mean that was my big test. I was like, you know, I was looking at guys like you on TV, going like, all right, you know, and there are people who have overcome the odds who didn't have the physical attributes, like maybe a Daniel Bryan who who did pump up a little bit once he got there you know you can see he really worked on his physique but he was always an undersized guy but yeah. he had this tenacity for the pain or, or i should say through the pain and and to just do what he wanted to do as a wrestler is why he's so successful for me it, the balance was more i just wanted to be in wrestling i wanted yeah. to promote wrestling i wanted to live through wrestling and the best way to do it was with a suit for me absolutely and too, it's important like man bone structure is a big thing like too like if it, it really is it's I can't explain it to people and I just today I had to go to Verizon I had to go get a new phone my phone blew in the hot tub on the wind today and I decided to go get a new phone but the the kid in there was a wrestling fan but he's looking and like I don't think anything of it because I'm wrestling there's so many large people and huge people in it but 
he was just like, Jesus, your bone structure. And I, I don't look at it, like, I'm, I'm used to just being me, but like there's guys in wrestling, and Daniel Bryan even, he has a like solid bone structure. Yeah. You can't be fragile and be in pro wrestling. or not saying you're fragile, but it's, it's a real thing. Uh, it's a good point you bring up on that, and just that you're smart enough to even realize that. Again, and if your passion's not necessarily, your passion's to be involved in pro wrestling and to promote it, that's a different passion than necessarily wanting to actually be a pro wrestler. And too, because there's, there's different levels to all this. So I, I dig it, man. I think it's good. And you could, have, you, could, you could have just as much fun doing what you're doing and being involved in that aspect. I've had a lot of fun, dude. And I, I've realized that in wrestling that like one of my favorite things to do is to put people over and sort of to watch other dudes grow. Yeah. I, I just watched Jake Atlas uh, get signed and he was a, a big presence at PCW Ultra, which is kind of my main fed for the last uh, four years. When Jake came in, he was he was basically just like building the ring and just trying to shake hands with people. Yep. Now he's he's out there in Florida working with the, the performance center. And to watch him do that, it, it showed me that like there is just a, there's two different types of people in this industry. There's the people who love it, and then there's the people who love it and can contribute to it in a physical way. Yeah. And I just was never the latter, you know. Have you seen what? What are your thoughts on like? Cause, and I talk about it, and I and I've talked to guys, and I've had a lot talked to a lot of people off the air, WWE Hall of Famers, and and people, and. Like I, I've lived through like this change in wrestling where um, when I was in developmental and coming up through uh, Deep South Wrestling and OVW and Florida Championship Wrestling, where it was more psychology based and guys guys can do moves all day long. That was always that was always, moves were very important. And then like I saw as I was in WWE, I could kind of see there started becoming like a shift on like where it became, started becoming more move based. And I started actually having less fun because everything was becoming so planned out, which in developmental, we actually would have to do matches on the fly nearly every day. Uh, that was the skill that was being trying to get passed down to us. And, and what I saw was a lot of guys had trouble with that aspect of it, of, of learning matches on the fly, because it, it is a whole different ball game than going out there and planning a match A to Z. I'm a big fan of doing both, I think, for like pay-per-views and TV of planning the, the latter half of a match, like the go-homes if you're having near falls where you can't really communicate as, as crisply and clearly. Like on my live events, I would stop planning the first three quarters of the match, and it was the most fun I ever had when I started doing that consistently with other guys that wanted to do it. Have you seen the shift in wrestling, though, where it's become now, like it's very move-based, I feel like. And part of that is guys learning the business as they get older, which I'm very conscious of that as well. But have you seen the shift the last like seven to 10 years of that kind of happening? I mean, absolutely. And you've even seen the results like in the top promotions where like the, yeah. the, the guys who were considered just like indie spot monkeys are now the main yeah. champions and the main guys yeah. for AEW and WWE. I mean, I remember a time when I first got in, it was like my my trainers were telling me like, you, you should just get off Twitter. Don't even tweet. Now you live in a world where it's like if you don't tweet and promote and, and use Twitter as a tool, then yeah. it's like out of sight, out of mind. Like no one even knows who you are. Yep. So if the industry has changed not only with Twitter, but obviously what you were saying where it's like people, you know, used to call their matches in the ring. I think the reason that that's happened is because the indie fans, like where a lot of guys are getting their foundation from, like they don't want to see you work a headlock because they're in a crowd of 75 people on top of the ring. And it's much more difficult to call spots in the ring when there's fans like four feet away from you in a little um, like Legion hall. Right. Like, Very true. So you, 
you, you have to sort of learn both styles, but unfortunately the style that you and I learned coming up has become um, a little bit more irrelevant or obsolete. Like if you don't know how to remember 10 high spots in a go home, then you're not going to make it very far in the industry. And yeah. so guys like Randy Orton and yourself and even Cena coming up in like um, in uh, UPW, like they learned the old school way, yeah. which is basically if you have nothing else to go on, you can still work a wrestling match. Yeah. And that has that fundamental has gone away a little bit. And I think much to the detriment of the industry, but you can still see like some younger guys like, like Rusev, right. I mean, I know he's a veteran now, but yeah. like, there are younger guys who can pull that style off, that old school style. And he was one I of the guys that we used to do it on the fly all the, in there. That was one of my favorite opponents, me and Rusev, because we got bored on the road. We would, we would literally go out there and not plan out outside of the go home and with the, the, some near falls. And I could say firsthand, and I think wrestlers are missing out not learning that because it's, it's, it's a lot more fun to actually go out there. It's more exciting because you don't know what you're going to do and you can actually learn how to generate and work a crowd when you do that and you slow down because you're not trying to remember five spots in a row you're just in the moment and you're actually thinking what can we do next it's a whole different thing but i i think there are and obviously and you brought up good points with that i think it's like a combination of, of kind of having a little bit of both where I, I feel like in, in some of the guys are going to learn that as they get older too. I think because they're, they're going to get bored. I quite frankly, I believe. Well, let me ask you this though. I mean, like, was it because because when you're in, you, first of all, you have TV times. I know yeah. you're talking about doing live events, but like in the event that you ha you still have times, I'm sure. So like, Absolutely. you got to hit your mark. And what my question ends up being is like, what like it's almost like a risk to not have something planned out if your partner A doesn't know how to stick with you during that mm -hmm. that rhythm and B if you have times or if like, you know, I remember I watched you tell a story about, you know, doing the feed me more against Kalisto, um, maybe at the wrong time for what the producers wanted, what yeah. you wanted, all that good stuff. But it's like, those risks are kind of like what got Austin to his level. Yeah. And, and the, the biggest guys in our industry have been risk takers. Yep. And, um, so I think it's weird now that all the matches are spot fests. You you have less ability to take a risk, take a breather, feel the crowd out. If they if you hear them chanting one more time, give them one more stuff yeah. like that. That's like interesting that that you see on indie shows. Like indie indie shows, you always see the guys just like look at the crowd. What are they giving me? How do I give it back? Even if it's a spot fest, they don't have the same rules and and sort of parameters. Yeah. I mean, was that was it like that in WWE where you felt like you couldn't do anything yeah. that you wanted to do? Yeah, that was, it was, and, and again, I got in trouble quite often by doing my own thing and, and would get reactions doing it, and it wasn't, it, and I've talked about it until I'm, I could talk about it until I'm blue in the face. It's, it's a way of control up there, and that way they can keep the guys that they want on top, on top, and then other guys you could see no matter how hot they get like Rusev, that if they don't want you to get out of that wherever they have you, then, then you're you're punished if you if you step outside of the box if like and i'm i'm very big on i'm not a fan of reading lines off a of paper I, and i could do it i can memorize all day long i could memorize memorize pages one it's a it's a very boring process to do that for me and to uh, and put my personality in pages of of font um I prefer to know the, the direction that I need, what is the goal of the angle or goal of the promo, and then go out there and be yourself, which is why I think I have success doing things where I'm able to just talk, YouTube, whatever, 
because I can just improvise where I could be witty and, and do my thing. And up there, they, they take that away because you're just, and every, we see it with everybody and that's what it is. And, but it's, it's definitely gotten stricter and it got stricter as I was even there more so uh, on a lot of things. And now like live events on that kind of thing, like live events, you were allowed to have a little more fun. And you could do things like I would acknowledge the Goldberg chants at times on live events and they would stop instantly because I would when I was a heel. I remember when you're in the UK, I remember Miz came up to me and this is nothing. Go, I love Goldberg and I've met him. He's a great guy. But I the, the fans were chanting for him. And I said I cut some promo and I said, after I win tonight, I'm going to take a big fat Goldberg right in the middle of this ring. The entire <laughs> place popped and then they never said his name the rest of the night for the entire match. And I'm like, this is so easy. And Miz goes, man, you need to do that on TV. And I go, they won't. I, I was directed never to bring him up ever on TV at that point. Like, mm. in live events, it was a little more freedom and you can get away with things. But that's part of the thing, being able to improvise. And the crowd appreciates that because you're acknowledging them, whereas that's kind of taken away on TV uh, as far as yeah. there, which was what we're seeing. AEW, I think, like, guys went like Cody, and, and obviously he's in a different position, <laughs> or like an MJF when he's talking, or Jericho. They're actually allowed to acknowledge the crowd, which creates for special moments. Jericho's had some cool ones out there already where he, he plays up to the crowd. And like you could just see like the crowd is almost like taken back by it because they're being acknowledged for the first time in 10 years. So, Right, right, right. Yeah, not being called the universe of all things. Yeah. Yeah. And it's nothing to get. It's just what the business model is now. It, it's not... And I get, I'm very thankful for everything that I've gotten out of it. But it was it it was it was not the most fun. And like he's, I, I mean, the, the thing is, is you, you got to sell toys, right? You got to sell video yeah. games. And and if the video games don't match what you're doing in the ring, if the toys don't match what you what you were wearing to the ring, yeah. then then we have a problem, right? Yeah. So like I get why some of it is compartmentalized and say like, hey, dude, you need to stick with the way we're trying to make monetary gains on you outside of the ring, right? Yeah. How can we sell your character? How can we do this? I get that, but I do think that some of the best I've ever seen were just insane. Like the Ultimate Warrior is one of my favorite yeah. characters of all time, and I don't know that anyone ever handed that dude a script. You know oh. what I mean? Like, so that to me would be the ultimate freedom. Crashing and yeah, being able to yeah. do that. And like I've have talked to Austin a bit, man, and I know and like I, I could I could just see, hear it and see it. Like when they watch, like I I feel the frustration. I lived it, and it's and I've seen it firsthand there. And the guys, the business has changed drastically. I think their business model has changed where they don't need big stars anymore. Like they had to make, and they had a desperation. Like they had to create a rock in the stone cold. Granted, those were the two guys that stepped up and did it, but they had to create something larger than they'd ever created to compete with WCW. And then once Vince bought them out, he didn't have a need. He didn't need to make, that's why he does. This is why the business has gone the way that it went. After that happened and they let everybody get as over as they can get when they bought out the competition, that's why they just put Cena in the role. They let Cena make the money. Everybody else stayed below that. And that was kind yeah. of and that was the business model to kind of control things. And they, they altered it and they've adjusted it ever since a little more. And now it's not even more like Roman's not a Cena now. Like it, yeah. Roman's under what a Cena was based off how he's booked compared to John. But they got kind of now they do like a team. They got like a team of three or four Johns that are less, which and they probably make considerably less than John was making at his peak. And, but they they keep those roles kind of um, there still. It's it, it, it's odd. It's definitely uh, 
it's just a different business model, man. Yeah, yeah. I agree that AEW has at least uh, created an environment where guys feel more comfortable going there yeah. to do maybe what they want to do. I have a lot of you know super close friends who are with the company. I, I announced for Pro Wrestling Guerrilla, and we're just like a, a feeder system for yep. AEW and and frankly for WWE as well. Um, but it, but it, it's just I kind of get it. I, like I said, I get that you have to have a show be what it is so that you could sell the show as a consistent yeah. thing. You know, if, if things are inconsistent, wrestling fans like to sort of be reminded of things all the time. That's yeah. why the Feed Me More was so you know successful. Um, but, um, I wish there was a little bit of a longer leash instead of guys ever being so fearful of their jobs. I remember when you left and I don't know how much you want to get into this dude, but I, I remember when you left, uh, the company, there was a, a lot of, you, you made some noise about whether wrestling was a meritocracy or whether it was like sort of a forced meritocracy yeah. where someone else was sort of responsible for your merits on screen. Therefore your paycheck then follows in suit. Like how much are you guys going to give me as a booking committee to what I end up doing on TV to what I end up getting paid in my pocket? Yeah. And I thought, frankly, that that was a really smart point to bring up. I'm not sure that a union is the answer. I'm not sure that that I'm not sure that I have any of the answers, quite frankly. But yeah. I remember just bringing up the idea that a sort of kayfabe meritocracy making your real money and, and your real like career worth something is this, it only exists really in that industry, yeah. you know? And so uh, it's something to be explored, I think, and discussed amongst people smarter than us. And I think that that could maybe affect the business in a positive way someday if people actually take a look at it. So. And it, you know, it's, and that was one of the things that would, and when I left, I knew I was really hurt. I didn't know to the, to the degree I was hurt, but I knew I was done. Like when I left I, and I thought it through, I was like, I wasn't going back. They could have offered me $10 million. I wasn't going back. Like, I, I was done. And that was one of the things I wanted to put out for the guys, for the for the Joe Hennings, the Heath Slaters, and all the other, every everybody, all the wrestlers, the guys, because I kind of lived on both sides and got to see, I lived that top main event spot for over a year and, and, and working it throughout in different points and seeing in, in the difference in how you're treated, and I see how those guys are treated, uh, it, it, it's crazy. Like, they're literally treated less than because of the roles that they're given, and they go out and execute. And, and so that, for me, was a way I was beyond disappointed that it, I got a lot of messages that day from a lot of wrestlers saying, thank you for putting that out there. I was beyond disappointed uh, with the negative backlash and I don't know from who and, and WWE controls a lot of this as well, where I was advocating for equal pay at no point. Did I say everyone should make equal money? I had a question in there that why wasn't there a more equal like pay structure. And as far as in regarding downsides and things, I'm not talking about merchandise and other things, but it was a question to get people to look at it and to ask questions. It wasn't saying there should be equal pay for everybody. But that was what in the Meltzers and these other people decided they put out as misinformation. They misquoted it. And I was just like, that was to turn it to a negative. Oh, big dumb Ryback doesn't understand the business where it was like, and you can't fight that. And I had to deal with WWE put out a lot of negative press and they do it with everybody that they control. But that's the issue. And what we talk about with like Vince, he has so much money and so much power. You have to look at it and go, how has nobody been able to alter this to this point in time? He's very figured into this world, and he's a very powerful man, and he's, and he's done well for himself. And it doesn't mean what he's doing is right. And unfortunately, there's just been, you got the talent there, they're handcuffed. 
They, they're not going to, nobody there is going to leave the money they're making. They're not going to say, they're not all of them are all going to walk out together and say the business needs to be better. That was my way of just taking a stand and being, it was the most selfless thing that I've ever done. And if not being selfish, it wasn't for me at all. It wasn't, and it was like in the way that that got turned around really disappointed me. And with like in the ignorance of some of the, the, the fans and, and I go, man, that was the guys, all the guys got it. All the talent got it, but it got kind of spun around, but I definitely think, I think it's going to come when, once Vince, I believe that they're going to be sold to, to Disney or Fox eventually, or a large Amazon, even you've heard they're going to be bought out eventually. Hunter's not sticking around forever. I have that on good, good knowledge that he he's getting out at a certain point, which I think he should. I think he's very smart for that because I, I Vince, I just think there's going to come a point where they sell and, and maybe Vince is, is uh, on the board. So I don't know, but I, th I don't think the changes happen until a larger company buys them out. Yeah. I agree with you that they're going to sell someday. Um, it'll be interesting. There's a lot of McMahons. There's, there's even some McMahons that, you know, the, the Shane's boys who are young, who may look forward one day owning the company. So we'll see how that goes with their family dynamic. But to get back to what you were saying, it's like with the emergence of AEW, now you have competitive yes. elements. I mean, if, if I have two contracts on the table and one of them is a, big, a better downside with more guarantees less and days. there's equal pay clauses, less dates, um, there's clauses saying like, you know, with this tier, you get paid this much with this tier, you're this much. It's not just like, Hey, you know, and, and, and I want to bring something else like w with John Cena or these top guys, they're making a certain amount of money, but like they're not making LeBron James money. No. Like in every other industry, your top dogs, your Peyton Manning's, LeBron James, um, Mike Trout. You're talking about hundred, hundred and fifty million dollar guys yeah. who are carrying their brands. And in WWE, your top, top, top guys. I don't, I'm not going to pretend to know, but what is it, five or five or seven, ten million bucks on the high, high, high side? And that's being, that's being generous. That? I would be very few of the top guys. I would say are making that now um but like brock's brock obviously has a larger downside and i think some of the other there's there's a few guys that are making probably solid money the, and the problem is is here what you bring up the percentages that wwe pays the talent are uh, far less than any other sporting and i don't know what what the percentage is off the top i can't i've, I've seen the, the information and i've talked about this with other guys but older guys in wwe too that are there and whether like pro sports are like they make 48% of the, of the, of the revenue or the gate or whatever it is. And like pro wrestling is like somewhere between like four or five and 6%. It's like drastically different. But the other problem is, and I dealt with this too, it, it like, like wanting flex magazine, wanting me to be on the cover and Hunter and Vince and them not letting me multiple times. It's very frustrating yeah. because there's opportunities. So that's what they're yeah. not allowing all the talent People contact them because WWE superstars are more known than any other sport because their faces are shown. They're, they're so well-known, their identities. And some of the people get some, they let some people do some things, but they should let everyone do as much stuff as they possibly can and because they would make more money, but they don't want that because if the way the industry is in the business, they know if you make a certain level of money, like I made a certain level where I was able to say, fuck you, I'm out of here. Like I can't do because I can't take the drugs anymore. They want to prevent that as much as possible. And so that's why things are the way that they are on that end. Yeah. Um, I, I, I don't feel great about it. I feel no, like, I don't either. You know, it's I, not, yeah. But it is what it is. I, they have a factory line of people, though, that want to live their dreams. And I'll never – I was one of those. And it's, right. you can never – I'll never knock anybody for wanting – you have to go and experience it for yourself. 
and some people are treated better than others there. My story's been told of why my the tension the way that it was with the ankle and the lawsuit and all that. It is what it is. But it's, it, it, I just wish it was better. And I think if you give your life to that business, to them, that you should be able to walk away from there. And I know a lot of the guys now, man, that have been there that aren't used well, they're not doing good. They're not doing like, they're not doing fantastic. They're all beat up now. They're all, a lot of them. I know multiple people with nerve injuries there. And like, I, I, I got stuck with all of it and that's fine. I was in, I'm able to take care of myself. I'm a big, a big boy, whatever you want. And it, but it, it's. It's a tough business. It's not, you don't leave there. It's not like you go play a few seasons in the NFL and then you can get into real estate, buy some properties and you got income coming in. It's like, that's why we see the wrestlers when they leave there. None of them. I just had Adam Rose on man this week, you know, and he was telling me he doesn't, doesn't have money because he didn't make, it wasn't. And I hear that and it, man, I'm like, this is a guy I've worked with. And, and like, I saw him and, and, and he was a superstar and, and he's happy now and he's doing well. And, and, but people see him and they think you're a multimillionaire, everybody. And that's not the case with the majority of them. And it, it's with the injuries and everything, it's a tough business. It, it's just, it, it's tough to see. I think anybody that goes out there and works pay-per-view cards and makes a name for themselves in the industry should be taken care of for life yeah. uh, based on what they're giving to the industry. I think that that's the, that should be the result. Um, not everybody has the same path. And there's not really an easy answer to to wrestling and how to run a wrestling business if it was easy there'd be 15 companies and there's not but with again with the emergence of aew i think at the very least we're creating a competitive environment in which the ceos so to speak will have to be held accountable for how they treat their talent absolutely and so that is a great thing we're only seeing the 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 fetal stages of that Um, and I think you're going to see a lot more guys walk from WWE to AEW, especially with them recently signing a three-year extension with TNT. Yep. I think more people are going, okay, at least they're going to have a home for the next few years. Uh, the numbers are in. They're doing a, you know, week to week doing a little bit better than NXT. Um, and so, and, and I think when I watch AEW, I think of a company who, who doesn't have like a freaking stereotypical employee like they have everything from jungle boy yep. and marco stunt all the way to cody guys who with wwe credibility yeah moxley um and so i think a lot of guys who dream about this industry myself included look at aew now like well i can dream and then i could go there and i could continue to dream while i'm there instead of my dream being stifled in some way and being a product of the system and um again it's it, each person has their own path and their own reaction to what you and I are even talking about right now. But that's just kind of my take on it is, is competition is healthy, right? Absolutely. When you have more companies working together, it creates a, a competitive environment for the consumer and for the employee, which is us, right? So, And AEW, to me, man, they have an opportunity. And I, and I know Cody very well. And with, with Tony, they have a way uh, – they could do pro wrestling the right way that Vince didn't do that is for the wrestlers – treating again look at their schedule they're not they're not whoring the guys out five nights a week and breaking them yeah. down and then throwing them out they understand that their, their business model is already different than what and they're gonna they're getting the toys now and they're gonna get they're gonna like you said i believe there's gonna be a lot more names leaving which is why wwe is trying to up the money even more and but you're gonna why would you want to live your life on the road and if you you can't have a family or your family life you see how many guys you see get divorced or cheat on their wives or their husband like it goes it, it's you're not meant to be on the road that long all the time and you're in pain and drug abuse starts happening and they're pumping you full of shit and like you have this other company 
the guy has more money than Vince, and they're giving they they have they have all the guys there, and Cody who has his history with his father and who who saw what his father went through in different things, where they're able to do it the right way, and it, it, it's just I think that will force WWE to change as well because they're going to have to. Why would you want to go work for this other company if you could be a big star for this other company and not kill yourself at nearly the level? So it's going to be very interesting in the next few years. I, I really, and it, it, they have a long room, long ways to go, but I think they've, man, they've jumped in. They jumped into the deep end. They're already beating NXT consistently every week. And I have no, we don't always have to agree with everything that they do. My thing is they've managed to do what nobody else has been able to do and start up a new company on major television and they got a secure TV deal. They're getting big names. And I think everyone should be pulling from them from fans to wrestlers alike. Yeah. And I'm pulling for them. I mean, it's just, it's just an incredible thing to watch, man. Sky, a good friend of mine, you know, he flies out on, on Tuesday and he's back by Thursday yeah. and you know, he does a show and he gets paid, you know, and he's, <laughs> and he's happy. Um, I couldn't be happier for him and for all my friends that are there. So. No, it's a great thing. So I wanted to talk to you, and, and we brought you on here. I want to know that first, before we get in, uh, into the to the infamous day of you being in my locker room, uh, the uh, was what what goes on to being. I, if I want our listeners, uh, the listeners, to understand being an extra going into WWE. If you can kind of uh, give a little insight, because I was always fascinated by, it, and I could always see, it, and I got to work with you guys a lot from when I was a babyface, and then when I when I was a heel. Um, and I, I understand how nerve-wracking it can be. Because I remember when I was coming up in developmental and going up to TV, and my first times going up there, how nervous I was. So I was always, I, I felt like I, I could understand that, um, being on both sides of the fence on that. But uh, just from your point of perspective, what, what was it like? Uh, was it nerve-wracking for you coming in there, uh, being an extra? If you can kind of just elaborate on the experience. Yeah, so for me, man, it was really um, a nervous experience, right? I've been watching WWE since I was three years old, and I just remember always wanting to to have an opportunity to work with them. So, for most of us in the industry that are that have not been signed to a major contract, when you are called for to do extra work, it's almost like you're you're you know making your debut in a, in a yeah. way, right? The first time you ever get to break that fourth wall, get on television. And be a part of this thing that you, all the lineage, like again, the Ultimate Warriors, The Rock, everybody, you, and you're stepping into these doors that are ha these hallowed grounds, right? And then they put you in a fucking laundry closet, yeah, right? And and so like, <laughs> don't worry, they do it to us too. <laughs> I, I I just I just remember going like, what the fuck? Like they put us in a laundry room and it was just a bunch of like you know, uh, the help of the Anaheim, uh, a legit, the wait, by, a legit laundry room, by the way, we're in a laundry room. Yeah. Like there's no chairs. Your options were to sit on the folding table where people were working and folded clothes or to like sit on a, on a, one of those industrial sized, you know, thousand gallon laundry units that they're probably washing, uh, you know, ducks jerseys in. Right. And it's like, we, we, we go in there and there's no chairs for us or nothing. And, um, you know, the experience started off really sort of like, well, is this like a hazing? Is this a test? Like, what is going on here? Because I've worked in commercials. I've, I was the, the, the spokesperson for Freeway Auto Insurance. I've done a lot of television and commercials. And it's like, you know, you get a trailer and you get like, you know, there's just like, there's, they just treat you really kindly yes. in Hollywood. 
And when I thought was that, you know, because Raw was on USA Network, that there would be more Hollywood in the WWE for, uh, form of wrestling than the sort of old school thing that we all come up with about paying your dues and, you know, the old gritty element of pro wrestling. I thought, well, WWE will have at least some, you know, amenities for us to to benefit from. And it, it immediately was just like a big wake up call when you when you get in there. Um, I had the Anaheim, that, which, which is a nice arena. And, I, and just to elaborate on what you said, because before we get past this. This would happen to the talent with us where we'd get crammed into locker rooms where they'd had all these, we'd be in these huge, nice arenas and they would, they have all the access to all these rooms and they would take the male talent and shove us. We'd sometimes have locker rooms with no, uh, no bathroom in it, which I'm like, what the, like where, where they have, they have multiple locker rooms with bathrooms in all these arenas. It's, it's a very frustrating thing. And that was one of the things that I it, So it wasn't just extra talent, but my thing is they have, they probably had 10 extra rooms that were really nice. They do it on purpose, though. And it's, and it's not to haze. It's just the way they look down on wrestlers. And they, they, it's a very carny thing because they don't want the wrestlers to feel important where you have a group of guys. Well, you're, not getting, you're not making a lot of money coming there. And I don't know if you want to tell I know, I, and I, I'll say, because I know extra pay used to be, I think, 500 or 400 or 500, probably even more at some point. And it got cut down to like 250. Which is, which was, I remember, and I remember all the boys were like, fuck, that sucks. Like, because you guys, a lot of you are missing work and coming in there and to, to help, but you're, you're coming there to help the TV show, to, to help put over the talent. And so I, I was like, why? It just, it always rubbed me wrong, but to, to continue, continue on uh, with your story. No, I mean, they, they called me in to do a four-day. Um, you, you guys were going to be doing uh, SummerSlam Sunday, Raw Monday, SmackDown Tuesday, and Saturday was rehearsals for Bray Wyatt and Kane. It was Bray's first match for Hell in the Cell. So they had me do this. Um, I was the fireman at SummerSlam 2013 who, like, put the put the fire I out. I thought I recognized so, you. So I'll just tell you a quick story about that, man. So in rehearsal, they had Luke Harper take uh, one of the, the sort of, like, token – chairs that have all the SummerSlam memorabilia on it. Yes. And I guess it had been soaked in kerosene or whatever. And he goes up to the, the, there was a spot where he goes up to the fire and he lights it on fire. He drops it to the ground. There's a spot in the ring, side slam cane on, uh, on Bray. And then the camera comes back and I'm supposed to put it out. And then he beals me into the wall. Right. So the day of they switch it to a kendo stick and the kendo stick lit on fire. And as soon as he dropped it, the air from the, five and a half feet that it dropped to the ground, put the fire out. And so I'm sitting there looking at a kendo stick that is not on fire <laughs> and the audience can see that it's not on fire. And my only job is to put it out with uh, a fire extinguisher. So I do so I get thrown into the wall. Great. But everything goes well. And the next day I come in and, um, you know, I'm just going to go for broke right now, but basically this asshole, Mark Carano decides one of my that least favorite he, people. I fucking hated this guy, and I only knew him for five minutes. He's a horrible right? human being. He's awful, yeah. okay? And here's why this guy is so awful, right? He comes up to me at, with Johnny Ace, and he says, hey, uh, great spot yesterday. We think we have something in, in mind for you for Raw tonight. Um, where's your paperwork? And I said, well, Mark, you told me that I didn't need to do my paperwork, that I would do it later, right? You're kind of getting cattled around. and you don't, yeah. everything. I just said yes to everything, but in this moment, he was asking me why I didn't have my paperwork done right in front of Johnny Ace, who was the main booker at the moment. 
And I, I just, I, I could have said like, I'm not sure, sir, what would you like me to do? But I just called him out because I felt like he was trying to put the blame on me was, for not having yes. the paperwork done. And I said to him, I was like, Mark, you told me not to do it. And he's like, that's bullshit. You should have had your paperwork done. I said, why wouldn't I sign a piece of paper that for my dream, right? My dream is to be here. That's their job to give that to you, by the way, to have you sign that. You don't just have the paper as an extra talent. Yeah, it's, it's not even. He didn't do his. So by the, he didn't do his job. And so Johnny wanted to know you were on TV. He didn't. He came back to Corona. They didn't do his job. So then Mark came to make you look like the bad guy to protect himself. Just so people, this is what is going on. Just that's ex that's yeah. exactly right, dude. And then and then you know I'm not sure if I'm adding my my arithmetic is off here. But then the next day I got slapped by Ryback. Right. So like, I'm not sure what was going on, but I remember being embarrassed in front of Johnny Ace by Mark Carano for a fucking mistake that he made. Yeah. Right. And then, and then the guy ends up, and then I end up getting into that spot with you later. And then it's all phone calls and we, we love you. And I had SmackDown the next day where they didn't put me on camera. Cause obviously I had been just used, but after that, it was like, we're going to bring you in. We want to, we want to bring you in uh, Florida. What do you think about moving to Florida? All this stuff. And then the, the phone calls just stopped. So I don't know whether I don't, I have a really sort of negative, um, memory of, of my one time working with WWE, which yeah. is really quite sad because like I am still a fan of the company or the product, maybe I should say. And I'm still a fan of like all the dudes who work there. Yep. Um, but guys like me who, who had a negative experience there, AEW has been like a, like a big, like, I don't know, man. Like it just, I almost get emotional thinking about it because I'm just so excited that wrestling finally has another big billionaire option yeah. to sort of play around in. They but treat yeah, people man, better. I mean, dude, it's, it's, it's not, I, I worked for New Japan Pro Wrestling this last few years and it's like, I mean, you get your own sushi platter and there's a masseuse there and you have a place to get dressed and I have a place to hang my suit. Yep. And we're talking about assistants. There's people who are writing my cards for me and like all this other stuff that New Japan there's an honorable way that they're treating their locker room yep. that I thought was missing. Um, and I know that the extra talent isn't necessarily locker room, but it's like, that might be the future of your locker room. And so why treat people, why treat humans like that in any, in any way? Why is anyone being put in a laundry room? Why well, because is that's, my, that's the whole thing on the infrastructure of the company. That's what I think it's, that's really important, but it starts because you guys are quote unquote extra talent. So they treat you like scumbags. You, which by the way, you could be, a multimillionaire real estate agent just come in there and you love pro wrestling being an extra. They don't know that, but they're just, they, they treat people based off how they are being booked in their fucking little bubble. And that's what happens on the main roster. If you're a low card guy, you're treated like shit by them. That was my whole go, What the fuck is, it makes no sense. It, it, it makes, it, it's completely, it, it, you know, life isn't fair into this, but man, you gotta, you gotta, it's a team. Your top guys aren't top guys without everybody else under them. They're not because yeah. it, it's completely fake. So it's unlike it, anything. It's funny, man, because I think that it comes from sort of like you, you call it carny culture. I call it bully culture. Yeah, right? which, <clears throat> which is Vince. Which that's frankly, Vince all the way. But that's the thing, dude, is like the, the spot that you and I met in, that was a bully spot, right? And they that, were doing that the was a Vince spot. And you were, yeah, you were the bully. And God bless you. You did a great job at the role. You did what you do, what you're supposed to do. But it was just interesting to have an anti-bully campaign, to be bullied on TV, and then to be bullied in the background, like without being on TV. Yeah. And it all starts with the head of the snake, right? Yeah, yeah. If there's a bully, like 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 whether you love or hate President Trump, he has tactics that are bully-like or asshole-like, yeah. right? Whether you agree with his policy or not. And some people love it about him, and some people don't. 
But what happens is you start to see the snake's body follow the head of the snake. You start to see more bullies. That happens there. You start to see more people being assholes. Mark Carano might be a great person in real life, but he has no, been so No, just so for the record, he's not. His wife that he was going to get married left him at the altar, uh, which I found out from talent relations. So clearly mm -hmm. he's not to, for that to have, like, the guy is an asshole all the way around. Well, good. Well, fuck, yeah. fuck that guy. But the bottom line is, <laughs> is that this dude, honestly, he, he basically, I think, was a victim of the system and i'm not yeah. taking any responsibility away from him but if all the people around you are bullying you and you are taught to bully and you are getting kudos for bullying others yep. then the bully culture just takes over so you can call it carny culture i think it's bully culture i think i agree you with know, you fucking treating people like shit is is um should be beneath wwe everyone there should be should feel like a rock star you know what i mean because wwe is a rock star entity that has taken over the planet in our industry and you know, if, if Disney buys them out, if Amazon buys them out, you think that same type of shit's going to... Mark Carano is on the, the first one. Oh, you know, you know he, I mean? he, he'll be... Karma's going to hand him, and it already has dealt with him. And, I, and I, I've, talked, I've talked openly in the past, and I've, I've forgiven everything, but like, he's a human being I'll never associate with ever. And if I ever do anything there ever again, a match, like, it will... It, like, I'm not... No time of day. No time of day whatsoever. It's just not a good human being. And that's, that's my yeah. just... Good luck, dude. Just not not for me. And what's weird about what you're saying is that wrestlers, for the most part, are good human beings. Like yeah. Some of my favorite humans in the world are pro wrestlers. These are people who they love creating. They love, you know, going out there and telling stories and seeing little kids like emotions change. Yep. This is what wrestlers love. And then to, to have an industry of dudes who are like kind gentle most of them are not real fighters they're just they just love to create and 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 there's a million other reasons why they love it but like to be controlled by bullies in an industry full of nice guys like i remember daniel bryan john cena and um christian all came by our locker room just to ask us how we were doing and walk in and shake all the extra yeah. talent's hands and like all good guys for the most part all good dudes yeah. but mark carano couldn't be bothered you know what i mean he was going to be a prick and and I was like, how are you a prick? And John Cena, who's like the most important dude in the company, could easily be a prick to whoever he wants, is, a, is an absolute stand-up yeah. gentleman. Like, it, it made no sense uh, to me, and I've, I, I, I've thought about it often since that day. No, it, it ruins it. Well, that's the thing, too, man, it, like with people. And for me, I've had to, and I've worked with, like, top people, had people on this show, and, like, a lot of, like, I've had to do, like, a lot of soul-searching to, like, forgive, to let go of any of the hate, because the hate only destroys yourself like myself like if i hold on to that i took i just said you know what everything's my fault i take a full accountability because i'm not a victim i chose to work there take away i took away all power from them which they're still trying to do certain things it is what it is it's all going to get worked out it i've won every step of the way but i had to let go of the hate because it, it was and they're trying to remind me because they don't want me to let go of the hate because what it does is it destroys you which we've seen with yeah. a lot of people there and you have, when you have a lot of good human beings and we see there's a lot of guys, man, their lives are completely ruined that were great guys because they hold on to the hate. And I've seen that and I've met them and I go, I cannot let that happen to me. I have to fucking figure this out. And like, man, it has been the, mo the greatest, most uh, liberating feeling in the world getting to the point that I'm at. And I'm still getting better and better with it. But it, it, I hate hearing stuff like this because it doesn't have to be like that. And the positive positive is is with AEW, it won't be like that. And it, it, there's going right. to be, 
if they just keep doing what they're doing, they're going to take over wrestling eventually in a better way. It's going to take time, or WWE is going to be sold, and they're going to adjust their policies, and we're going to have two awesome companies eventually. So, Yeah, yeah, I can see that. You know, you could already see WWE shifting a little bit yeah. in the way they're doing things. They swear they're not, but there's like they're starting to say the shit on TV more than they ever did before. They're like, I could just notice the subtle nuances of WWE yeah. trying to respond to competition and that's great and so um i don't hate wwe i don't i have i had one experience there excuse me and it was a rough one but i was also really proud of it and i was also really like like you and i did that that uh locker room thing let's talk about that yeah yeah on live television right like it was like you it was funny earlier in the conversation you were talking about like remembering lines i remember while we were doing it like in my head i was like really impressed like this dude remembered all of his lines like that's pretty good shit Um, (laughs) he's not as dumb as they say online (laughs) yeah in fact actually i could tell how smart you were when i first met you i think like um just by looking at you like bald beefy dude people probably assume that you're dumb but i remember i do in all fairness i do look pretty dumb you I look like a dumbass. Yeah. 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 <laughs> People um, ask me all the time when I go into the store, they're like, are you okay? Like, do you need help with anything? I think because I just like, I zone out and I have a dumb looking face where I and I'm look like a big meathead. And like, I'm, I know exactly what I'm looking for. I, and I'm offended every time, but I never, I just smile. I go, no, I'm good. Thank you. And but, yeah. like, I have that look. So I've accepted it. Yeah. So when we were on TV, man, we, we, we had that spot and it had to be done in one take. And according to the producers who were, who were directing us, they said that it was going to be live on TV. So I was like super proud that we knocked that out. Like we nailed that. Yeah. Yeah. We got it. We got it done. Boom. Cut camera. Cause we've rehearsed um, that too, by like, the way, you remember we've rehearsed. I mean, we were going to, I think we might, did we even record one not live or we, we were, no. we rehearsed it and we thought we were going to have, they didn't know if there was going to be time to tape it which I was always a fan of taping everything. And then they switched it last second, which now knowing your story of what happened with you, that was, they do that on purpose. Like we had time to get that taped before it was now knowing what was going on with you. That was done to probably make you as uncomfortable as possible. There's also the the simple fact that you had to slap me like, and it, it needed to be a shoot. And so, um, I, I thought to myself, like, they can't have him slap me more than once without maybe, like, it, it being a bad thing for the company. Yeah. So they probably just wanted to get one take, one shot, one slap, and then print it. Uh, but according to them, it was on live. And I remember um, forgetting during our – even though we had – we did rehearse it without the slap, obviously. We yeah. went through the motions and the, and the blocking of everything. And they put the actual the soundboards in there, too, in the shower, yeah. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, I could only fill up my bag with water one time. That was, remember you filled the bag up with water. So that was a big thing. But the, um, the slap, I forgot, dude, we like, we were on this spot and I think I said, this is all I have. And I looked up at you and you slapped me and I was like, (laughs) oh yeah. I was like, that's right. That was part of the spot. (laughs) So like the reaction you see in my face in that, in that famous spot was actually pretty authentic. Like I was like, oh shit, he just slapped the shit out of me. And I remember right when we cut, dude, you were like. You were like, hey, man, did I get your ear? Like, you walked immediately up to me like, hey, you know, I've been t- I, I, I don't do the slap spot often. I'm Ryback, right? But, like, when I slap somebody, like, I've been taught not to hit their ear. How is your ear? I was like, bro, you didn't hit my ear. But I tell you this, and don't feel bad about this, but the next day, you hit me on the left side of my face. The next day, the right side of my jaw hurt. That's how really? fucking strong you are. Yeah. I mean, you're just a I apologize. Dude, dude, dude. I also got hot sauce in my eye from eating hot sauce earlier right now. I'm not crying. I just touched my eye. <laughs> it's an emotional story, man. It's very emotional to talk about. <laughs> Thank <this>. you very <laughs> much. <laughs> oh, 
I'm an asshole. I I washed my hand, man. I got from doing this damn YouTube stuff. I have these hottest sauces. Would you do hot ones or? What, 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 uh, like, uh... I know, but I just I put it on my food to keep getting my um, tolerance higher. And I washed my hands after I got a little bit on my finger earlier. And this one is called a uh, ground, uh, the bomb final answer. It's one of the hottest ones on the planet. That's, I know that sauce. That shit's amazing. It's in my eye right now. And this is, oh, I'll be all right. I'll tough it out. Just put some milk in your eyes. You have any milk? No. Oh, no. I got some Coke in the milk. We'll be good. This will make for good YouTube. The, uh, the hot sauce is destroyed. This is karma coming back at me for being an asshole to you. Yeah, that's the Mark Carano. Don't talk shit about Mark Carano. You get some fucking spicy eyes. Oh, so again, I do want to just mention here with that there. That was better. That shirt helped tremendously. Um, yeah, I checked. That was one of the things I was always very thankful with the extras, man. That you guys and put yourselves out there with everything. You never want to hurt anyone. I had my eardrum ruptured my first year in wrestling, getting slapped. That's probably why you asked me because yeah. it was really like it was your first concern. I don't like slaps. It scares me because a lot of guys miss and hit the ear, and I got fucked up. And I still, I had to get that surgery when I left WWE. That was one of the things I actually had them pay when I left, and it was mad. That slap, and we had the soundboards in there to make the sound echo more. But that was all. I had, I had to fucking slap you, like that was. I it was like you said, and I I apologize. My thing was, don't break his jaw, don't break his fucking eardrum. That was. If you're sore, that's a win at the end of the day for that kind of shitty thing. But that was probably. I would say that was the most memorable bully spot, in my opinion, because also I think so too. It had the prison rape feel to it too. That so was going to ask you about that. Yeah, that yeah. I remember when we got done with that, and like Road Dog was in there, and then finally someone said it like after, like that was kind of gay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I go, yeah, yeah, thanks, thanks for now, everyone now realizing this now. After we yeah. did just get done doing it, we all laughed. It was a good time. Well, I'm a huge meme now, dude. I mean, which is fucking cool. But like, there's like anytime there's like prison rape meme necessary, then I, uh, that shot of me and you comes up in the shower where I am. You're stepping on my bag and my head is kind of near your crotch. And yeah. I just kind of like look up to you like that's just. And I think it's funny. It's all good fun. And frankly, like like the you people ask me the next day, my mom included, like, why did that big asshole do that? Like, fuck that guy. Like. Like, what, he was probably a real piece of shit, right? And I was like, I kept going, like, no, in fact, like, there were some shitty people there, but, like, Ryan was, like, one of the nicest. He was, yeah. one, he was the dude who was genuinely concerned with me. You and I spent time working through it together, having cool conversation beforehand. Um, and I knew what was coming, man. So, like, the spot, like, I saw you do it with Drake Younger. I saw you do, yeah. like, a spot in the weeks coming up to that. So I knew it, it was going to be someone. It happened to be me. I'm stoked about it because I'll forever have my little spot on Raw. Um, and, um, and yeah, it's cool, man. I mean, it's just, it's just one of those things where it's, it's funny because the, the, the abuser, the bully, so to speak, was the one person I came out of that going like that dude was real cool. Thank you. And it was a lot of the other people who were like, yeah, they're not so cool. That was actually, and you know, that was a tough thing I have. And to this day, a lot of people actually truly hated me after doing those bully segments. And, and I, um, I had family members even that weren't happy about it. And I go, I'm just acting. I go, like, yeah. but, and I don't want to say I'm a great actor or anything, I, but I was act, I, anything they've ever asked me to do, I just go out there and have fun with it and do my best. But that was the one role. And this is why I'll never be a heel, I feel like, in pro wrestling. I don't want to be with having a business now. I don't, I don't, because unfortunately, the large portion of the audience buys into what's going on too much in, in behind the scenes and, and what right. you're doing. It's just acting at the end of the day. And like you said, 
And and I, I could have been an asshole after, but that's not who I am. But I, my that was just the role that I was playing. I prefer to play the babyface good guy. I like that. I like that role. I like making kids happy. I like as far as in in. in I, I just, being both of them, I, I like that more because that one creates less uh, controversy outside of the real world, especially having a business and things. I think it's more ideal. Um, and I understand why John never wants to leave that role because it also allows you to get better opportunities in real life if you if people actually like your character and, and things of that nature. So uh, yeah. it was, it's just crazy looking back at that, how that all worked and, and it, it, but you just brought back memories of, of a lot of the hate that I, and I still to this day get hate from people. I'm like, it's just acting, man. I'm sorry. So, but I thank you because you did an exceptional job at that. I thought you played that role. If you, you, you made that what it was that night is, is on your end. So. I was stoked too, man. Cause I thought you were going to go shoot to the moon with that thing. And I was like, if I could be a part of this and, um, and sort of be, at least, you know, a part of the story of how Ryback ended up becoming WWE champion, which at the time I think a lot of us thought was yeah. was what your destiny was. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, that 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 was really cool for me. So it was a bummer to see you bounce from the company ultimately after like, you know, not not that I put you over, but that like I I was going to be a part of this story to get you to that level, and yeah. then all of a sudden you were gone. I, I was disappointed to see you leave. Although once you came out and sort of spoke about it immediately. I was immediately like alleviated to know that you had made the right decision for you. Yeah. And so um, I, I like I could totally get it. Right. It was it was something that I could get very easily. Like, OK, that makes sense to me that he well, I would have had to retire way. if I stayed my back. Would I wouldn't have caught my back because they were and I've talked about it. They were giving me Toradol and cortisone for years to cover up the injuries. I needed an MRI on my back and I've, it's my fault. I'll take all accountability for it, whatever. Um, but like, I would have, they, if I didn't, the stem cells would not have helped me if I didn't catch it when I did and, and leave and, and get out of that environment. And so my goal obviously is now everything is the story's not over. I'm not retired, get my health. To, I got to get my shoulder a little better. And, and I think in now having the leverage of having a business and it's doing well, um, I think I will have options when I'm fully able to commit to it again where I don't have to go back to that schedule ever again. And, yeah. uh, and I'll be in a, it, like I always tell people the story's not over and I think it's actually going to be, uh, a very, very cool story at the end of the day. It's just kind of on pause for the time being while some other things have been put in place. And, but I'm grateful man for all of you. Cause I, I talk about, I'll never from all the WWE talent to all the, the locals and the extra talent and the people, the guys like yourself, man, because you guys, that's what I think ever it's a team effort all along. It's just in guys play roles. It's just executing those roles and, you did a fantastic job, so thank you. And you had to take physical abuse, so that was, and I, I thank you and for it. To defend WWE for a minute, although it doesn't sound like it, like they paid, <laughs> they paid me more money to do that. Right? Okay. So like I got, I got a, a really big bonus, uh, maybe four or five times what my actual day rate was to do that. Um, and so it, to, to you know be fair to them, they treated me very well based on the spot that I was given with you, um, and I thought that that was really stand up of of whomever. They made don't that do that feedback. often, by the way. So that was. And I'm pretty sure, just to put him over, I'm pretty sure Road Dog was the one who made that call, um, and God bless that dude. I mean, he's he, a good. He's one he, of the good ones, man. There's a few dudes there who are just like they understand how to work the system and the sort of politics of wrestling and the old schoolness, carny one might say. And then they, they, they're able to circumvent and sort of navigate that scenario and make it right. So 
Road Dog was a huge asset that day to me because he was just making me comfortable and making me feel human, right? I wasn't just a, a pawn, you know? He was telling jokes and yeah. being humorous and showing me around and stuff like that, and I just felt very grateful for Road Dog, and I always will. So. And, dude, by the way, and it's no... Doing a live deal on TV, that is that is one of live backstage is one of, going out in the ring is one thing, and that and that's it's but you're in the ring it's different because that's what you know doing the the backstage scenes live can be some of the most stressful things in the world because there's there's not people around like when you're out there and it, it, it's every little mistake is amplified and like we went out there and nailed that live and I've had to do a lot of live ones, but I'm, I'm there all the time. You're not. So that's right. why I think in you stepped up and did that is if you don't do that right, then it's on me to improvise and we to keep it going. But we didn't, everything was as planned and like, man, I think that's why he recognized that. Cause a lot of extras end up being, they wouldn't be put in that position to be in the live. They would tape it. So yeah. You know, I had this weird thought that day when, we, when they said, hey, we're going to run it live. I, I had this like just for a second, this thought of being like when he slaps you, you should get in his fucking face yeah. and, and talk shit because it's live. And then it, maybe that'll get you one more booking or you'll be like this infamous moment where you kind of went off script and you were the first guy to ever. And obviously it wouldn't look like I would be intimidating you, of course, yeah. but just to sort of like go off script, say fuck fuck what they want and just try to make a name for yourself in one episode. I chose not to do it. Um, and looking back on it, maybe I should have, cause again, I haven't worked for them since that day, but it was just an interesting thing to know that it was live and, and, and be like, if I wanted to, I could slap them back and then I'm going to get the shit kicked out of me, but maybe it'll start like a little angle. You know, they, they bring you back and we do a pay-per-view out of it. It's <laughs> yeah, <laughs> anything like, would have been better than eventually just stopping it to go to the, to be a Paul Heyman guy for two pay-per-views and throw, and throw away so months of work. <laughs> so weird, man. The it's decisions right. they make are so weird, but yeah, yeah, it's all right. Well, well, thank you regardless. And, and with everyone I have on Christian, I always ask, and I want to ask you as well is one piece of advice for the listeners that has helped you the most in your life thus far. Um, wow. One piece of advice that's helped me so much in my life. I just try to stay positive, man. I think appreciating the, the great things and when you're feeling down and when you're feeling upset or things are desperate for you to just sort of appreciate all the little good things. Every morning I, I'd say five gratitudes. When I wake up and make my bed, I say five gratitudes about either the day or the year or the month, things that are going well. And to remind yourself of these affirmations and these gratitudes I think can give you a, a more positive outlook and in an industry like wrestling where things are sometimes hard or whatever industry the viewers are in themselves, just to appreciate some of the little things will give you a better attitude. And when you have a good attitude with people, they often reciprocate that good attitude. So, so pass on the smile, treat people fairly with respect and, and you'll earn respect back. And, um, that's my, my little bullshit stick. Right no, there, I love it, man. It's, and yeah. I live by all that and it's practice. So it's, uh, I agree with that completely. And for where's the best place to find you? Anything you want to go ahead and plug to wrap up? Yeah, man, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at X Jim Cole, X T I A N C O L E. And, um, and I, uh, we have a few shows coming up, uh, tomorrow night will be bar wrestling and, um, in Pomona, you can watch that on the High Spots Network, and also um, my the pride of my wrestling career right now is PCW Ultra. You can go to PCWOnDemand.com and uh, check out all the cool footage Todd Kennelly and I calling some of the great matches in Southern California over the last four years. So PCW Ultra, give them a like and uh, come out to a show sometime. 
Good deal. Well, Christian, thank you very much for being on the show. Thanks, Ryback. I appreciate you, brother. All right, guys, we'll be right back after these messages. You've heard us talk about Real Good Foods before on the podcast and just how much I love their Real Good pizzas and enchiladas. Now Real Good Foods also has their new poppers, which are a super low-carb cross between a chicken nugget and a jalapeno popper. All of their foods are low-carb, grain-free, gluten-free, and keto-friendly. Most items have as low as three to four grams of carbs per serving. From their chicken crust pizza, enchiladas, cauliflower crust pizzas, snack bite pizzas, and poppers, you can't go wrong with anything from Real Good Foods. All items are available at realgoodfoods.com, on Amazon, and in retail locations all over the country, with a store locator on their website. Save 10% with discount code RYBACK off of realgoodfoods.com. Real Good Foods. Feed me more. Hey, what's going on, guys? It's the big guy, Ryback, and I want to talk to you about Fuel Meals, my personal meal prep service I've been using for years. Meal prep at your doorstep. Fuel Meals at FuelMeals.com has something for everybody, an easy way to eat healthy in this fast-paced life we are all living. Whenever I'm in a pinch, I go to my Fuel Meals, and I love it. I love to eat real food, but the fact is I can't cook for every single meal of the day, so Fuel Meals come in handy for me when I need it most, and I think it could help you too. Tell them the big guy sent you and use discount code the big guy to save 15%. Fuelmeals.com. Feed me more. What's going on, guys? The big guy Ryback here with Feed Me More Nutrition. Check us out on feedmemore.com or Amazon. You can actually save 10% on Feed Me More Nutrition at feedmemore.com with discount code podcast10. $1 every sale on the website goes towards Three Square and feeding the homeless. We have our new fruity cereal, I So Hungry, our mango candy, Wake Up Unlimited Energy, and our Brain Feed Brain Support. We have supplements for men and women using only stevia and monk fruit, no aspartame, no sucralose, no artificial colors. We have something for everybody, guys. Get hungry, stay hungry, feed me more. All right, we are back. Big thank you to Christian, Christian Cole for coming on. Man, just here, talk about life, everything going on. What goes on with from the extras uh, involved with WWE? I dug, I, I, I dug getting to talk to him. It was good. It's crazy how fast time goes by for for a lot of this stuff, and it's um, I, re I remember that day fairly well because I remember it was in California and uh, in Anaheim, and I always loved being on the West Coast because it was a short trip home after being on the road, you know, just night after night. I want to uh, say. I've got a few things to do here. I do want to mention, I want to do a big thank you guys to BioAccelerator once again, the company in Medellin, Colombia, that I had went and uh, had my stem cell procedures after I've had 11 here. Uh, it's been uh, a very uh, frustrating at times last few years, uh, but also it's been uh, something I'm very grateful for in the experience I understand the deeper meaning, and I know that the story... I, I just have a weird 
odd sense of peace with the entire thing because deep down I know it's all going to work out. And having that confidence and knowing, and again, and having being patient, it has allowed me to continue to push in endless rehab and uh, trying to overcome this needing a five disc fusion and a right shoulder replacement. My back now, as we've talked about, is, is much better, but I got a phone call yesterday um, from BioAccelerator, and it's crazy how everything just kind of works out. I'm, uh, I've got a do- an appointment with my doctor uh, here this Tuesday with a shoulder specialist. Uh, I got all new MRIs on my shoulder, my lat, and my scapula. First time they've not been able to get my lat and scapula and because insurance and the, and the MRI places would not get all three. They would only do the shoulder. Finally got them to do all three. And uh, because just to see if we've missed a few areas, uh, but I also have uh, several large... Um, I don't know if you want to call them bone growths. They're not spurs. They're big. One of them's bigger than that. One of them's really large. I think they called them loose antibodies uh, in my shoulder, but there were three large ones. I've had two shoulder surgeries. They're scopes, but they're it, it, those knock you out for a couple months because it's a surgery still, and where they go in and they clean out the shoulder. And uh, there's one that supposedly the last two doctors have not touched. That's in my rear, back in that rear back of the shoulder joint where I'm getting all my problems. And I saw the image at the MRI place and it looked like a golf ball outside of my shoulder joint. Um, that's not supposed to be there, which they can go in and remove. But I don't know if the other doctors didn't know. I, I don't know. I got to see the specialist on Tuesday because my shoulder has significantly improved from the first MRIs to now. There's so much improvement from all the stem cells. And I've made such progress, but I've had a couple things holding me up still. And we think that's a big part of it. So anyways, BioAccelerator contacted me and um, uh, I'm truly blessed where and, and offering me to come back out there, uh, hopefully for April. And, uh, and getting hopefully stem cells in my leg for my nerves, actually this time injecting it into the nerves that were damaged. Uh, and hopefully regenerating those to get full function of my foot because we did my ankle last time and what we should have done is done in the nerves themselves. And, and so that, another round in the back to get this back just for good measure because that is, it was, like I said, this is overcoming the impossible. And uh, I'm looking long-term at this and, and been very patient and getting these new MRIs on the shoulder, Latin scap, scapula, and going in there and getting this shoulder after getting get hopefully getting it cleaned out here in March, here in Vegas, with the shoulder specialist, and then going over to Medellin in April and uh, getting the stem cells and then recover again as I've done for the last three years. Is it's been a yo-yo of where I get myself in what I feel like is in tip-top shape, and then I gotta, you know. Re- regroup and reset again. It's been very it's tough, but I know I can do it because I've done it so many times. And luckily, I keep myself busy with all this other stuff. And uh, this stuff has never been done before. So uh, I think when you're trying to do great things and understanding the long game and having patience, um, it's been a, a necess- It's been a must. And I can't get caught up in the. And I'm thankful I get hundreds of messages every day. And it, it's tough at times because it can get frustrating. But I'm also grateful for it and all the fan mail. The, just please come back to wrestling. Please come back to wrestling. Please come back to wrestling. And um, I'm glad I have that. That it tells me that I did something right. 
Uh, it also is sometimes frust frustrating because uh, I can't come back to wrestling right now. And if I just did come back to wrestling, it would be very short-lived, and it, the, the, it would I'm not ready yet. And I don't want to come back and just get a pop and then disappear. Like that's not what I'm not what I'm trying to do here. So I appreciate everyone for the love and the support and the patience. And I've been very upfront. A lot of people wouldn't talk about, I know guys that are injured that left and did things and they don't talk about their injuries because they don't want people to know what's going on with them. And I never give a fuck about that. Like I, I know how good I am and I know that uh, I, I believe in being honest and upfront and um, I could still go, I, right now I could do, go do things. I just, I don't want to be in the pain that I was in, uh, and from the drugs and the shoulder and the cortisone. And I don't want to get a shoulder replacement at 40 years old or 50 years old. And I don't want to be in a wheelchair. I don't, I'm not going to be, that's not me. I've seen the past wrestlers and I, I don't want that life. I want my best, my best years to be now on till the day that I go. So I ain't trying to fucking be crippled. Not just not my thing, and I, I love life too much. So, I'm uh, truly blessed, and a big thank you to Bio Accelerator. And um, if you guys give them a follow on Instagram and Twitter, and if you're in pain or know someone in pain, please uh, shoot them a message and get some rates. And uh, it's an investment in your health, and I, I can't stress that enough. And I can tell you, it works. It's helped me to be at the point that I'm in right now, and I'm 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 at the at the getting approaching the finish line where I've had to be really patient and honest with myself and push myself and see that I'm not quite right yet. This is, I need more. Feed me more stem cells. <laughs> so big thank you to them. It, I got a call though. They're flying or bringing me down and, uh, with the treatment and, uh, I've been truly blessed, been truly blessed. So thank you to bioaccelerator. I, I do want to mention also, um, I got a show I got to do here shortly, actually, um, for another, uh, podcast, but I want to, I want to make sure we finish strong, finish it. Um, I also had to get a new phone this week, the hot tub, the wind was blowing as I pull up the reviews here and I had my phone sitting on my towels in the hot tub and, uh, the wind is never concerned me, but I always did that. I think, man, if the wind blew hard enough, my towel blew into the hot tub. My phone would go in with it. But the wind usually blows away. I keep the shell like half open. And uh, sure enough, though, the wind was blowing towards the direction of the hot tub the other day. It blew my towel and my shirt and my phone in. And I grabbed it right away. And I thought I saved it because I thought the phone was like wrapped in the towel. And I threw the towel outside and, and onto the thing. And I jump out and I go like, oh, my phone, thank God. And my phone's not in. I go, fuck. I jump back into the hot tub. It, it's lying at the bottom of the hot tub and I hurry up, I get it out, I dry it off and I have the case on it and all that. And I, I go, it was still working and it was, it gives you, I was like, oh, wow, man, thank God that was, what a fucking, cause it was down there for about a good 15 seconds underwater and then, uh, dry it off and I'm sitting out there and all of a sudden then the home screen button started getting a little shady but it's still working. Everything was still, and I go, okay, maybe it just needs to, a little water maybe got inside the plug-in port. You know, we'll, we'll just let it dry out. Everything will be good. And, uh, like, sure enough, like, within an hour, the phone just shut off. Started making noises. It, since I have it still, it, it came back on, but it, it, it shuts off. And so I had to go get an iPhone 11. Couldn't get a pro because they, uh, the China coronavirus they were, they were not accepting new shipments in of the Pro because they're made over there. I go, no worries. The 11 is good with me. Two cameras, it's better than one. So 
I uh, got the iPhone 11 now. All right, guys, let's go ahead and do a review of the week here, guys. The goal is to get to 1,500 reviews, guys. So if uh, your reviews are greatly appreciated on iTunes, if you listen to this, please fucking go leave a review. <laughs> the winner here, we've already had people messaging. You get a free copy of my book, Wake Up. It's feeding time, my motivational book. I need to write another book. I'm, I've been working on my autobiography still. Um, I would like to write a very detailed book on social media. And um, I'm definitely not done writing. I've just, I've not spread myself too thin. It's weird. I go through, like, I, I could write a book fairly quick. I wrote this pretty, pretty damn quick. Um, at WWE, I did it in pieces. But then when I buckled down and just started writing, I mean, I would, like, work on it. do, like, an hour here, an hour there, 20 minutes. It, I would at least do at least 20 minutes every day. And it was usually a lot longer than that. And it was, I mean, it was done on my end pretty quickly. And I, I suck at editing. So I had to, the editing and all that took a bit because... I use an editing app for everything now. I, I was a student in school, too, and all that. And then I don't know where the fuck what happened. I got dumb somewhere along the line. It's amazing how much you know at school. And then, I, like, I would hate to go on that show, like, against a fifth grader. Like, I would need the curriculum. And, like, I'd have to study for that for, like, months in advance, maybe years, just to make sure that I didn't look like a total dumbass. I'd forgotten so much stuff that they taught us. Because, let's be honest, you don't fucking use it. So, I can... I can tell you a shit ton of stuff about self-improvement. I know that much. Uh, all right, all right. Let's see here. This is uh, from Tony Pizza and uh, my favorite podcast. I have listened to this podcast since day one. Prior to Ryback releasing this podcast, I had never listened to one before. The knowledge I have gained has changed my life and made me much happier. Even as I try to listen to other podcasts, I cannot seem to get hooked on the content like I did with uh, Conversation with the Big Guy Ryback. I checked it out for the wrestling, but have stayed for... Wait a second. Did I read that one last week? Am I a dumb? I think I did. Why did I pick that one twice? I didn't even. Okay. I I botched. I botched my own reviews. We're going to leave it in. I leave the fuck-ups in. That's a lot of people would have edited that out. Not me, guys. We're going to the next one. Donnie B70. You're this week's winner. You left a five-star review. Love the show. Love how real you are about everything. Very down-to-earth. Love the format. Keep it up, big guy. You're the winner, fucking Donnie. You get a free copy of Wake Up, It's Feeding Time, a motivational book, or a Feed Me More Nutrition tank top, small through 2XL. Email me at thebigguyatfeedmemore.com uh, with a screenshot of your review and uh, what you want, and we will get that out to you. And thank you, thank you very much. All right, I want to do a quick shout-out to our uh, Paying the Bills, as they say. Bioaccelerator, as always, guys. Check them out on social media. We got Real Good Foods, though, guys. You can save 15% with discount code RYBACK at realgoodfoods.com. They have the keto pizzas, the low-carb pizza enchiladas, the, the breakfast sandwiches, the jalapeno poppers, the bacon-wrapped stuffed chicken breast. They've got it all. They got cauliflower pizzas, and uh, they're doing great things. They have expanded rapidly uh, the last few years, and they are in all the grocery stores in the frozen food aisle. Real Good Foods, guys. Check them out. Help support this show. You can, you know, again, save 15% with discount code Ryback at realgoodfoods.com. Fuel Meals, personal meal prep service I've been with for many years. Save 15% with discount code TheBigGuy at fuelmeals.com. And they got the whole menu. They got steak, chicken, rice, sweet potatoes, pastas, quesadillas. They got all sorts of things. Turkey burgers. 
sweet potato fries, guys. They, they, got a, they got a whole menu. You can do custom meals, signature meals. They're great. It's meal prep at your doorstep. Comes overnight. You take a meal or two with you when you go to work. You're not a you don't you're not a fat ass that goes and eats at McDonald's and you can bring a healthy meal with you to work. And I apologize if you're a fat ass and you're offended. We're all fat asses deep down at heart. Damn it. So just relax. Let's not be offended so much, okay? Fuel meals, guys. Check them out. They're on social media as well. And feed me more nutrition. My personal supplement company, my supplement company created and endorsed by me, the big guy Ryback, sweetened with stevia and monk fruit. No artificial colors, no artificial sweeteners. We give you more ingredients without charging you extra, guys. And uh, it has been, we've had our best month we've ever had this uh, February. So thank you very much. And uh, the chocolate I so hungry is being shipped out now as we, it is being shipped to the, XSN, the manufacturer, not the manufacturer, the, the fulfillment. And uh, we now have the half-gallon shaker bottles and half-gallon water jugs and shaker bottles back in stock. They just arrived at the facility today, ladies and gentlemen. I've gotten endless messages. We have the new clear half-gallon jugs, and we've updated the logo with the new Feed Me More Nutrition logo. Unfortunately, these were put in months in advance, and so they have the old blue Ryback logo on them that you still see here. But moving forward, we will be getting new stuff uh, with the updated uh, brand logo. So once these are all gone, we ordered a massive amount <laughs> on this order. So these may be in stock for a little bit. We ordered quite a bit. So uh, check those out on feedmemore.com, and you can save 10% with discount code PODCAST10. All new customers for your first-time purchase, new listeners of this show, go to feedmemore.com at checkout. Use discount code NEWCUSTOMER20. You could actually save 20% on your first order. We do weekly messages on there. You get one message a week. I always give you guys a badass discount if you sign up for that newsletter from me, written by me, not written by like all these other people. They have jabronis write them for them. I do this shit on my own, guys. This is as personal as it gets. And then I got my weekly, uh, you sign up for the text messages. Usually I'll send you out every once, one message once or twice a week with just a big discount. Maybe a positive quote. Nothing else. You're not going to get spammed. You're not going to get a message at 3 in the morning. Hey, it's the big guy Ryback. Buy my shit. Nope. I'm going to give you probably a positive quote and a fucking discount code once or twice a week that you're going to save more than you would on because we don't do a lot of the big discounts. But if you subscribe to my stuff, I give you the big fucking discounts. All right. Thought of the week this week, guys. This week, I, I want to touch on uh, and what I've had to go through, the importance of patience. And, and we have to be patient in anything that we do. Uh, because if we're not, we're, we're never going to, we're not going to stick with something. And when things get tough, uh, when the, when the going gets tough, if we're not patient, we're going to get frustrated and we're going to bow out and anything we choose to do in life, guys, it takes hard work, a positive mental attitude and having patience and taking consistent action. There's a lot that goes into this, but you, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta know where you want to go. You gotta have a, You gotta have a destination. And like for me with my health, I have a destination. I know what I want and I believe I can get there. And the road is never just straight. It's all fucking twisted. Sometimes you're going back and you know you need to be going that way, but you know you got to go back before you can get back on track going that way. You got to fucking make a detour and go circle 10 times like National Lampoons. Big Ben fucking there and back on track. And I know that. And uh, so... I've had to in, learn and practice patience more and more and more because I know where I'm trying to go. 
And, and no matter what it is you want to do, it, it doesn't it doesn't just happen overnight, guys. And maybe there's rare stories where something does happen overnight, and someone you know hits the jackpot. It does happen, but typically you got to have patience. And the more patience that you have, and it's not being lazy, it's being patient and understanding that you know you have a goal, you know where you want to get, and you just got to. It doesn't. You just don't go zero to a hundred, and all of a sudden I'm successful. I'm a multi-billionaire. Doesn't happen like that. You know, unless you're just happen to be born into a really rich family and you pop out and then I'm a billionaire. Like that does happen. Technically that has happened to those people, but they don't know patience and they live an unhappy life and they're miserable a lot of times and they lack other things, the power of being hungry. So, but be patient guys, things take time. And, um, and I've had to practice and learn that. And no matter what you do, if you know where you want to go at the end of the day, you have an idea and you could, uh, the patience will help you overcome a lot of the bullshit. That's my thought of the week. Keep it simple, stupid. All right. And wrapping up here, guys, the plugs, all fan mail, any, uh, hot challenges for Ryback TV. Um, you guys can follow this show on YouTube as well. Please share the reviews are always greatly appreciated. The YouTube is finally picking up a little bit here again. I heard this was the last January, February's are the quote unquote slow months, I was told, um, which it makes sense because those were definitely, they slowed down the growth of that channel pretty quick, but uh, we're still on the uptrend, uh, upwards trajectory. That word's really tough for me. But uh, Ryback, youtube.com slash Ryback TV for this and the show. Please share with all your friends, everybody. I want this to be as popular as humanly possible. I'm... Um, and I can't do it without you guys. So just push the content. If your friends don't like me, shove it down their throats. Just say, this is, this is, you have to listen to this. This is part of your routine. Turn off all that other shit. I don't care that you don't like him. Just fucking listen. <laughs> and uh, guys, for all fan mail, P.O. Box 752740, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89136. Personal videos by me, cameo.com slash the big guy Ryback. All appearances or media inquiries, book the big guy at yahoo.com. My book, Wake Up, It's Feeding Time. Check that out. Social media. I'm, uh, you, can, you guys go to the big guy Ryback22 on Instagram, and that will lead you to my, and I'm the big guy Ryback22 on uh, TikTok. That one's, we're almost to 200,000 uh, followers really quickly on that. So TikTok seems to be pushing out my content fairly decent. So if you haven't got on TikTok, get on TikTok. And, uh, that's about it, guys. Thank you very much for listening. You've just listened to another episode of Conversation with the Big Guy Ryback. Feed me more. This is Conversation with the Big Guy Ryback. Subscribe, like, rate, comment, and feed.